Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mass Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? Today, we are going to be getting into the weekend games that the Mavericks played this past weekend. Um, their first game was on Saturday, where they blew a 16-point lead with four minutes left to the Oklahoma City Thunder, what a lot of fans have been dubbing as one of the worst losses in recent years for the Mavericks. Tim McMahon had quite an interesting dig from ESPN in the last 25 years. Teams were 9,975 uh, to 1 in terms of winning um, their winning percentage. Uh, went up by 16 with four minutes left in the fourth quarter, and the Mavericks extended that record from 9,975 to 1 to 9,975 to 2. But luckily, the Mavericks did bounce back with a win versus the Orlando Magic as they were playing a back-to-back at home. The next day, it was still... To an extent, a little bit of a sloppy performance, but where the Mavericks were at after starting two and three against the, the Thunder, a win is a win. I think we could all agree. We yeah. were we are also going to be getting into some compelling narratives regarding Christian Wood and Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd has had some interesting comments to the media and some of these post-game pressers after these last back-to-backs, and a lot of Mavs fans are concerned about this Christian Wood situation so we'll be divulging fully into that even though it is only six games into the season now uh, you know this is predictable we're it's the dallas mavericks who <laughs> yeah who would have thought it, you screw things up faster than you can tie your shoes um anyhow though <laughs> we will uh also be getting into jason kidd's comments uh regarding josh green because those are actually some positive comments that yeah we may be seeing some more sugar glider uh minutes as we go forward here um, at least from what Jason Kidd said at practice today. Um, but before we do all of that, here's an ad from our sponsor, Anchor. All right, Jaron, so getting into it, let's look at this horrendous loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder this past Saturday that the Mavericks had that fans were grieving over. The Twitter timeline was in shambles. I think everybody was calling for the Mavericks number at this point. It just basically seemed like the season was going to end. Yeah, almost. Now, you know, I'd be remiss to say that I was not in a depressive state for a good 24 hours until the Magic game. But, you know, at the end of the day, it is only the fifth game of the season. But nonetheless, it was still a really bad loss. And even coming out of this weekend, I don't feel like as a Mav fan base that we're all feeling like giddy or anything like that. The Magic win wasn't some sort of referendum to fix what happened against the Thunder. Obviously, the damage was definitely done with this one. Um, the Mavericks, it was kind of a back-and-forth affair throughout most of the game until the third quarter. That lineup with Spencer Dinwiddie and Christian Wood, that typically comes out um, in the non-Luka minutes, uh, usually at the beginning of the second and fourth quarter, respectively, Really did a number. Got the Mavericks a great big lead. Josh Green had another really good game in this one. Just a really active defensive presence. Was running running the floor really well. 
Um, let me see if you can't remember if he made a three or not. He didn't make a three in this one. He did in the Magic game. But he had four steals, plus 24. I mean, really, he was honestly part of the reason that that group did so well. Yeah. And head coach Jason Kidd decided to let Christian Wood ride out the whole fourth quarter, essentially. And I do want to preface that the White Powell was not playing in this game. And Christian Wood wrote out the whole fourth quarter. Um, but as soon as Luca checked back into the game, the Mavericks offense started to look kind of drowsy. Now, you know, I guess Luca's box score could be a little misleading from the standpoint that he had 31 points. A lot of that came with the line. He actually went 15 th- uh, for 19 on free throws, which is really good to see. He, he even had a triple-double in this one, 16 rebounds, 10 assists. But for Luca this would be considered a bad game, which sounds absurd yeah. given the stat line. Um, but just from the standpoint that Luca didn't shoot the best from the field, he went eight for 23 over six. It really looked like the second half did a number on him just in terms of he was starting to get really worn down for whatever reason in this game, the Mavericks defensive rotations were not crisp whatsoever. They were just rotating really late and it was allowing a lot of opportunities for the thunder to get to the basket, Shea Gilgis Alexander in particular, you know, even the Mavericks' best wing defenders and Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock really just had no answer for him when it got to the fourth quarter. He would basically just get to their hip, pull up for either a mid-range jump shot, a floater, um, was especially as the Mavericks started to get worn down throughout the game. It just seemed uh, like the points in the paint for, paint for the Thunder were coming even easier. The Thunder – had I believe it was 70 let me check 70, 70 yeah. points in the paint um I, I think that that's a very um tell-all in terms of this game and like we said you know JaVale McGee didn't play in this game I you know especially the way he's playing to start the season we'll talk more about him later but I don't think he would have served as any sort of answer to the rim protection problems given how he's played this season and obviously Dwight Powell um while he has in these last two games played pretty productively at 13 points five for seven really efficient Dwight Powell game in this Thunder game here by my no, by no means you know is he a good defensive center and just the way that the Mavericks have to play with Dwight Powell they do have the ability to be more switch heavy and because you know Dwight offers a little more defensive versatility from the standpoint of being able to guard down a little bit he's a little quicker even if he's kind of weird with his hips and lets guys get by him you know, you still have the opportunity to be able to match up against smaller teams a little better. But in terms of being a paint protector, you know, obviously Dwight fails in that aspect. And, you know, when the Mavericks rotations were getting blown so bad, because the Thunder aren't a really big team, especially with, you know, you know, Poku obviously is tall, but I wouldn't necessarily consider him big. And, you know, it's not like they have Chet out there. He's out, he's out for the whole year. So, you know, they're kind of just like kind of the Magic did. I mean, obviously the Magic are running some huge lineups out there, but, you know, they weren't – they didn't have any, like, distinguished center in a lot of these lineups, which was really interesting to me. I mean, even Bull Bull kind of acts as like this – I don't really know how to describe him, but – He's like a hybrid four and five kind of – Yes. Where he runs point guard sometimes too. Yes, which is really interesting. And he's also sitting on the perimeter a lot, and we didn't see a ton of Obama minutes. So, you know, it's not like – a paint protector, I guess, was as sorely needed in these two games uh, versus the Thunder and Magic, respectively, 
as maybe in like a Nuggets or 76ers matchup where you're going against some of these marquee centers. But, um, you know, in terms of being a weak side, helping presence, uh, especially when McGee is not playing up to any sort of standard that we have expected for him to play at. And in the Thunder game, for instance, him not even playing, you know, once the rotations start to blow, the Mavericks are obviously going to experience some suffrage at the rim. And that was very indicative in this game. And the Mavericks basically just got torn apart. And, yeah, I mean, it was just essentially layups in that fourth quarter. Um, you know, I hate to say it, as good as Christian Wood looked offensively uh, throughout most of that fourth quarter, once Luca checked back in, I mean, nobody seemed to really put up any sort of stand defensively in those last four minutes. Uh, the Mavericks – relied too heavily on their outside shot, I thought, in this one. It was very reminiscent of live and die by the three, if you will. The Mavericks went eight for 40 on threes in this game. Uh, for those of you at home, that is a 20% uh, clip and on 43s. They had no interest in really just trying to materialize any sort of clutch offense. And I think that that's been – um, pretty discernible from these first few games with the Mavericks, especially when they get in these clutch scenarios. It kind of just tends to be Luca. Uh, let's see what you can do. Everybody else get the hell out of the way, which, you know, that can work at times, especially in the first half when Luca is fully there in terms of his physicality yeah. and his stamina. But, you know, once he starts to wear down a little in the game, you know, we, we have to find a way to get some of our other pieces going and, especially on an off shooting night where, you know, you don't got, you don't have a guy like Tim Hardaway Jr. Shooting hot from three. I mean, you know, Dinwiddie had a good game in that fourth quarter, but, you know, outside of those two, there's just no offensive creation when you, your shooters weren't hitting. Um, I think between Reggie Bullock, Dorian Finney-Smith and Tim Hardaway Jr., they went a combined six for, let's see, Six for 17 from three. Um, and, I mean, you hope to at least get maybe three more from, you know, three guys. In, you know, especially. The, those are arguably your best three-point shooters, too. Yeah. And, I mean, to add on top of that, I mean, that six for 17, you know, okay, not terrible. A shade under uh, – or actually a shade over 33%. But, you know, you obviously want a little more from those guys, right? But Maxi Kleber, 0 for 6. I mean, that's, you know, that's, I think that's where the story of this game lies right there. But, you know, this was in this game, and I thought this was very emblematic in the Orlando game as well. This was the first game that we really start, started to see, I guess, the limitations of Christian Wood yeah. within this offense when the Mavericks don't actively try to get him the ball. And, you know, he was in foul trouble for a bit and, and it started to bear a little bit of negative defensive impact in that fourth quarter was kind of laid on some rotations, especially um, when some of the Thunder wings and guards were getting into the lane, such as uh, SGA and Lou Dort. But, you know, it the Mavericks kind of just shied away from going to him offensively, which I think is safe to say is something that they need to work on because it just become has become readily apparent that sometimes in these late-game situations they – decline to go to him for whatever reason. Um, and I, I think that that's a narrative to monitor going forward. But anyways, he didn't end up playing overtime. 
because, um, you know, the Thunder, of course, got to overtime once Isaiah Joe, who had not played all game, came in and drained three threes, was making free throws, had 15 points in nine minutes, you know, very reminiscent of Damian Lee in that first game when the Mavericks played the Suns, you know, the unsung 10th guy off the bench just coming in and hooping, you know, Mavericks all-star all over again. But, you know, he he really helped steadfast that run for OKC and led them to the overtime win. I mean, Shea, of course, too. And, you know, especially I thought the Thunder perimeter defense was really frisky for some uh, Mavericks turnovers. Mavericks had 16 turnovers in this game. And uh, if I can recall, most of their games, I feel like they've been a shade under that. So, you know, they definitely um, regressed in terms of their turnovers. And it was just really sloppy overall. And the Mavericks just essentially gave up. The Mavericks, I don't know really how, but. They just kind of like were caught with their pants down the last four minutes. It just seemed like they didn't even care. I mean, there's no really, there's no strategical really thing you can look at here to justify what happened in those last four minutes. It just, the Mavericks, you know, that's all, it's all narrative based. It's, you know, like you have to grow a pair at that point. Like there's four minutes left in the game, put away the thunder who are missing, you know, Josh Giddy. We didn't even mention that he didn't even play in this game. They're missing yeah, yeah. two of their, you know, arguably two of their best four players in Chet Holmgren and Josh Giddy. You know, I mean, obviously they got some talented young guys over there, but this is a team that you have to put away in a scenario like that. And we talked about that Tim McMahon stat in the intro and the Mavericks just failed to do so. And it came to their detriment. And this is a game that they're definitely going to regret at the end of the season. Uh, once we start talking about standings and things of that nature. But, yeah, they ended up getting it to overtime, and they kind of just – and um, Christian Wood didn't play in overtime. Actually, Kleber played the whole overtime, and he looked – you know, I thought while he did have a really good defensive game in this one, he did look pretty rough um, in the overtime period, like just shooting the ball. And I don't know, nothing just kind of – it was just a really bad game, and then – Afterwards, of course, head coach Jason Kidd talked about how Christian Wood came to the detriment of this team um, in that fourth quarter where the Thunder made their run and basically said that, yeah, I mean, he was in there when we were losing and kind of throwing blame at Christian Wood, something that, you know, as a head coach, that's maybe not something that you want to throw particularly at an individual player, at least the way that those comments were uh, quoted in the media it made it seem you know semi-targeted so I think that that's mainly what I want to get into you know I've talked about the game of course Jaron didn't get to watch all of this one so that's why I kind of wanted to carry that segment yeah. <laughs> but um, what were your thoughts on those comments by Jason Kidd yeah no so just to clarify I watched uh, I think the whole entire third quarter uh, a little bit of the second quarter and then I turned the game off whenever the Mavericks were up by, I think, 14 with, like, four minutes left. I turned the game off. Okay, like, or, yeah, we're yeah, 16. Yeah, we're up by 16 with, like, four or five minutes left. I turned the game off. Uh, I had plans that night, so I turned it off. Didn't expect much of it. And then um, I think there were some tweets going off, so I tuned back in, and all of a sudden it was a four-point game, and I saw Isaiah Joe hit – I guess you can kind of call it the dagger that sent it to overtime. And I didn't even bear to watch overtime because I knew what the turnout would be. Um, but yeah, I mean, like to speak to those comments, like I, you know, you're a grown man, you're a head coach. You've, you've played in this league for what, like 
16 plus years. I, I I don't remember how many years he's played, but you know, you you've been a veteran guy on a championship level team that won a championship. And now you're a coach that's, you know, a first year head coach, not first year, but first year for the Mavericks head coach headed to the Western Conference Finals. And you're throwing guys under the bus who have played all of at that point five games on a team where, you know, he's never really been in a winning situation. You're throwing him under the bus. Like it just doesn't make any sense to me. And as a grown make this very clear. You know, we keep hearing everything about how Kidd and Nico Harrison are a package deal. And I, I mean, obviously, given the ties with the Lakers when Kidd was an assistant coach over there, I think that that was a huge part in the JaVale McGee signing. Yeah, And obviously yeah. that's not turning out the best, as most Mass fans would admit so far. But in terms of Christian Wood, you know, you'd have to think that given if Nico Harrison and Jason Kidd are a package deal, that this was something that Kidd had to vouch for on some level. And for him to kind of just undermine and throw shade at Christian Wood, or I don't really know how he views him. We'll get into a Tim McVeigh ESPN segment over how he he gave, he provides some insight in terms of what Jason Kidd um, might be thinking in regards to Christian Wood. We'll get into that a little later, but it just seems backhanded, unnecessary, and I think it just sends a wrong the wrong message to a guy like that. You know, I get trying to make a guy like that prove it, you know, on the defensive side of the ball before he has the privilege of starting, or even if you want to keep him in the six-man role all year, you know, that's your right as a head coach. But to, not, you know, not empower your players, just, you know, talk however you want to your guys in the locker room, but you don't go out to the media saying some shit like that is um, where I lie. And it's very reminiscent of Jason Kidd's Milwaukee days when he himself denoted himself as immature and that he had gained so much experience from his Laker days. And I think it's just kind of troublesome to see this. Um, now it seems as if, Oh, you know, just had to get, um, just had to get my hand in, you know, it was my first year had to be a little careful, you know, now I can do whatever the hell I want. Basically I'm head coach of this team, everybody else, you know, you in the media, you know, I, I run this place and it, and it means it just seems kind of like it just gives me like dictatorial vibes, those comments. Um, I, I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts regarding it? Because it just definitely rub, rubbed me the wrong way. And I, I don't like the potential future implications it could hold. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I again, as someone who didn't watch the whole entire game to see what kind of comments came out during the post post press. You know, it, it's it's disgusting, honestly. Um, like, again, you know, you've said it could hold future implications that aren't positive for the Mavericks. And I, I think it, it could be. Uh, you know, I hope – I mean, we're one game past it now. Uh, and thankfully the Mavericks pulled it out. But, you know, it, it doesn't say, you know, you mentioned earlier in the pod, like we could be at the end of the season looking at this loss. Like, what were we doing? Uh, I mean, this this is a type of loss that could derail, you know, in early given early in the season that's given. Um, but the, this is the type of loss that like derails seasons. And especially for those kind of comments to come out afterwards, it's just it, it's not what you want to see after a really disgusting loss. Uh, and especially attacking a guy where, you know, again, I had mentioned, you know, he's never really been in this situation. I'm not trying to defend him. He did have a, a bad fourth quarter, nuts, to say the least. Um but I mean, yeah, to like single him out in front of the media. Uh, and, and it wasn't even actually when a guy, you know, this guy had played so good in the first three games of the season. Yeah. You know, didn't even play terrible in the fourth game. And I mean, it's not like he like, yes, by 
Christian Wood standards, you know, he didn't – he had a pretty good, bad game, you know, that he was obviously late on some defensive rotations. But was this level of, I guess, scrutiny in terms of calling him out to the media five games in the season warranted by kid? I mean, Christian Wood – And went, the thing he is – He went five for ten from the field. It's not like – I mean, yeah, he had a rough game, three turnovers, you know. I mean, I'm not – he was in foul trouble. It obviously wasn't a good – the best game from Christian Wood. There's no – negating that these last two games have not been the best for him but they're just it was unsolicited given he didn't do anything in that game that warranted that level of scrutiny it's not like he went out and had like some like one for 13 stinker or like just sold the game or was the sing was single-handedly the reason that the Mavericks lost that lead I mean everybody had a hand in it yeah no I mean and the thing that is really uh, just kind of a head shaker here the the media didn't even ask anything about Christian Wood or like him being in that fourth quarter collapse. You know, it was just it was brought up by Kid himself. He was the one that kind of threw Wood under the bus. I could understand a little bit if uh, someone had asked, but no, nah, he he was the one to personally make it. I guess some sort of goal of his to throw Christian Wood out under the bus and throw him out in the media, and like just you know coming from a head coach uh, who just took a team to the Western Conference Finals like that you don't need to see that you that like you don't need that in the first place like I don't know where in your head you you think of that like to do that um but yeah I mean like it was it was a disgusting loss it was a disgusting night all around um like it's one where you don't get over a few months from now especially if you know you're you're off to a slow start which it seems like the Mavericks are off to uh this is the type of loss that you look at you know all-star break and you're like what what could have been, you know, maybe had the Mavericks pulled it out, just forgot about it. But, you know, that's losing this way, you don't forget. Like, th- this is something that sticks with you throughout the season. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, there's – I think that that was a really good summation of it. There's no other way to put it. I guess now we'll go ahead and get into the Tim McMahon ESPN segment regarding Christian Wood and Jason Kidd. There wasn't really – I didn't really have any sort of revelation revelation from that. Um, barring from, you know, what we talked about in the kids segment. Same stuff, um, just more fuel to the fire, I guess. Tim McMahon said that Jason Kidd, he doesn't – he kind of thinks that Jason Kidd's essentially punishing Christian Wood, you know, making him prove it on both sides of the ball to, you know, really stamp and earn his spot here, which – you know, we completely understand that. I have no issues with that. You know, where I draw the line is, you know, Jason Kidd said, or Tim McMahon thinks whatever it is, you know, was, I don't know if he's reporting technically. This could just be him theorizing, but he said something along the lines of Jason Kidd, you know, not thinking that Christian Wood is of all-star caliber, which, you know, he can have those thoughts um, personally. You know, maybe me or you don't even think Christian Woods all-star caliber, but you know, for that to for that to get out, that you know might be something that 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 that's just not something that should get out to the media in any sort of sense, any sense of the imagination. You don't you want to be able to empower your players regardless, get the best out of your players. That's what you're doing as a coach. You're um you're you're there to lead the charge and to try to you know, regardless of the group that's given to you, regardless of what your general manager did out of the offseason, even tanking teams, you're trying to 
get this team to win every game. You know, sure, there can be, you know, you can obviously move hand in hand with the GM and what he's doing. You know, of course, as it seems, the Mavericks have that sort of partnership between Jay Kidd and Nico Harrison. But at the end of the day, as a head coach, your job is to win games. And if you're, if you have some sort of personal agenda, um, for whatever reason against Christian Wood, you know, it's just completely ludicrous to not be able to empower a guy like that. You like, you want, you know, I know Tim McMahon said, you know, at the, at the high end of this, you know, six Christian Wood could be a six man of the year candidate at the low, low end of this, he could be gone by the trade deadline. So I just want to get your thoughts on, you know, just furthering that narrative in terms of what, um, just, I mean, we, I don't, I guess we don't really have anything confirmed, but if Christian, if Jason Kidd really, you know, just doesn't view Christian Wood as that guy, like he has some either a personal issue with him or he just doesn't think that he's good enough at basketball and he's essentially just holding him back for the sake of holding him back until, or, or is this some sort of like he's trying to break him tactic, kind of like what he did with Giannis in Milwaukee? Uh, what, what are your thoughts on all of it? Yeah, no. So, you know, it's one thing to be a pushy coach, you know, getting the best out of your guys. And it's another thing to go out to the media and basically call your guys out and say they're not as good as they seem or they're not as good as they say. You know, as a coach, like you just mentioned, like you want the best guy, you want the best versions of what your guys are putting on the floor. Like you you want the best version of that. And to come out, like if this is true, again, we don't know. Um, this could be speculation, but to come out and like, you know, this is your quote unquote six man you know, to come out and say, like, this guy's not all-star caliber, even, and, and really... I mean, he, to his credit, he did not say this to the media. This is just... Yeah, the, yeah. From a just, Tim McMahon and ESPN segment. Yeah, but, like, still, I mean, again, like you had said, like, we can have those thoughts, but to come out and, like... Not, the fact that it's, like, out, out in the in the void somewhere... Yeah, yeah. That it, that it may have been said to somebody or, you know, like, yeah, that, that I guess that's where the issue is. Yeah, exactly. And... The Christian Wood, you know, like this is grade A of if you're trying to force a guy out of a team, this is grade A performance of how you do that uh, in Jason Kidd's perspective, I guess. Um, you know, Christian Wood, I don't think he's played. I don't think he's had an awful game since being a Maverick. You know, he's he's had his like – He's definitely not had one bad game. I There have been games where – well, if we're just talking about, you know, especially given his role right now, you know, he's – Yeah, yeah. He's coming off the bench. What are – like – Given he is coming off the bench, you know, I guess it will by Christian Wood standards, sure, he's had maybe two bad games, right? But by, you know, if we're distinguishing him by his role with the Mavericks as a backup center who's coming off the bench, then he's definitely not had a bad game. No, I mean, without a doubt, like he's averaging in the sevens or eights and rebounds with double digit points. He's averaging 16.7 points per game and 8.2 rebounds per game. Yeah, like to ask that for a guy that's coming off the bench as your backup center, that you couldn't have any like any better implications of a backup center than that stat right there. Um, it's just like, you know, if it, if it is trying to get more out of Christian Wood, again, I mean, I understand, but to have like these quotes like kind of lingering around and kind of leaked around um, the media, like it, it's just a, it's a sign that like you don't really want this guy here. And uh, I know you kind of like, like kind of said this sarcastically, but like, you know, Jason Kidd like has the keys now. It's not like an act. Uh, and I mean, 
if if that is the case, then this is a, a pretty good example of it. So, no, hundred percent. Um, and I hope he doesn't. We don't see a clear, blatant abuse of power. And you know, given Christian Wood plays well, that we get to see a little more opportunity for him, and he's not just held back because of whatever sort of personal agenda Jason Kidd has. But you know, that remains to be seen. Um, you know, a lot of Mavs fans pointed out on Twitter, I don't really know how much validity this has. I didn't see it personally because I wasn't really staring at the scores table. But in this Orlando game, a lot of Mavs fans were just saying Christian Wood. Um, you know, I'm not even going to speak in terms of the on-court performance because um, it was very minimal. It was very minimalistic in terms of, like, the Mavs involving him on offense. But just in terms of the uh, when he was, like, at the scorer's table, checking to come in the game, everybody was saying he looked like sad and disinterested. And, you know, just for that to be even getting tossed around is obviously sad in itself, but I obviously don't know the validity of that. I wasn't paying attention to that too much in that, in that Orlando game, but um, let's go ahead and get into the, the Orlando game. Now that we've got all the negative Jason kid uh, media presser stuff out the way, it's not fun to say the least, but I, you know, I just hope that this is a situation that doesn't continue to further, furtherly evolve because, you know, for the Mavericks, Christian Wood, I think from what we can tell in the first few games, and just if you, if you watch the Mavericks, I think it's pretty reasonable to say that this is a guy that has like his fit with Luka Doncic is really impeccable in terms of offensively. And they still haven't really worked out all this, Exactly. everything yet and you know is christian wood the idealistic perfect big man next to luca maybe not you know he has his flaws and especially defensively at times he's maybe not as big as you'd want there's obviously like you know if we're just getting idealistic you know oh like you could nitpick in beads fit with luca does he take too many mid-range jump shots like okay but this is a this is a guy that you've been looking for ever since you traded chris Stapps Porzingis. And the Mavericks have it. And, you know, I'm not saying that he's going to be the second best player on a championship team. I'm not saying that he is the, like, this is the, this is everything. Like, you know, now that Christian Woods on the Mavericks roster there, that makes them contenders. Like, get yeah, I can definitely recognize that the Mavericks are a ways away and that they're still missing pieces to getting to that level. But when you accumulate a positive asset like this, you either get him really good uh, minutes on the court until he's good enough to trade for somebody better or be the main person in a package like that. Or you, you know, obviously keep playing him to, you know, benefit your team and win more games and whichever way you twist it, Christian Wood um, should be an organizational focus of the Mavericks. I mean, he's their second best player. There's, there's no negatives to, showing him off and uh, showcasing his skill set. There, there's no negatives. It's it's either helping you win games in most instances. I mean, everybody has an off night. Even Luca does. Christian Wood may play bad sometimes. Okay. But not, I mean, eight, nine times out of 10, he's a, he's a pretty consistent player, right? Or, you know, you're doing the exact same thing and he's playing all those minutes and then eventually you can trade him. Like, I, I don't know. It's just, it's very puzzling as to why the Mavericks would, because by doing this, they make Christian Wood 
look like a negative asset. You don't exactly. want a distressed asset on your team. And that that's the even worse, worse part about this. It, it's just very, it's very, I don't just, it doesn't make any sense. I don't no, I mean, it doesn't. It. Like we've been reiterating since really the trade that this is, has very to little, no negatives. And it seems kind of like the Mavericks are just trying to look for a way to get a negative asset in a sense, or a look for a way to ruin the chemistry or however you want to call it. Like, it looks like they're just looking for For really, for really no reason. Yeah. For no reason. Like, I mean, the guy, like for the first three games performed amazing basketball. And then all of a sudden, like, it seems like all this outside basketball noise starts happening. And then all of a sudden, like we start seeing it on the court, you know, he's not playing like, again, I mean, we didn't expect that to happen throughout the season, him averaging 25, but I mean, the Mavericks, in this Orlando game, particularly, sure the Mavericks. I, I thought the Ma- a lot of the role players for the Mavericks stepped up in this one. Um, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie had a decent third quarter, but outside of that, man, he had some he had some weird fouls and uh, the, some of the minutes that he was running point guard just looked really rough, especially in yeah. the fourth quarter. Um, but I mean, not a horrendous game from him, but definitely a pretty bad game. I thought he played pretty good in that Thunder game. He's been kind of up and down. I mean, I don't know. Dinwiddie's been decent to start the year. But there's obviously, you know, a big discussion with Mavs fans regarding his ability to play make. His just ability to pass, make an entry pass blatantly. I mean, he can't do that uh, a lot of the time. I mean, I, I honestly think – I don't. I haven't seen a lot of people comment on this, but I think his defense really has not been as bad as I've expected. I think he's kind of, you know – just by the eye test has been kind of an average defender this year, but, you know, I think Dinwiddie still, you know, by no means is he a bad NBA player. I mean, he definitely provides something to a team, but I think he's not in his idealistic role. I think that this is a guy that is suited to become, to come in and provide shot creation and, you know, some tertiary playmaking off the bench. He's not, he shouldn't, his, his role, you know, as, as he's being here subjected as a, Secondary playmaker is debatable, but, you know, he had 12 points in this game versus the Magic. He played okay. Um, I think the the uh, the unsung heroes of this game were definitely Dorian Finney-Smith and Tim Hardaway Jr. Tim Hardaway Jr., sure, he went 5 for 15 um, from the field, 3 for 9 from 3, but he went 8 for 8 from the free throw line. It was finally sort of a good Tim shooting game where he really didn't do yeah. anything that made you want to shoot your head off. Um, he had 21 points. And honestly, one of the, his probably his best performance this season. So that was good because, you know, he hasn't really done anything horrendous. We haven't seen a ton of the no, 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 yes shots that actually don't go in. We haven't seen like, like he hasn't had a ton of horrendous shooting that's just made you want to blow your head off. But I mean, he's just, you, you know, he's not, it's not like he's taking 20 shots and only making four of them, but. At the same time, we have to acknowledge that he's had a relatively rough start to the season. So to see him have a positive shooting game was really nice. And it's honestly part of the reason the Mavericks won in this one. Uh, Dwight Powell came in and got some more runs after JaVale McGee came back in this game. Uh, JaVale McGee played nine minutes of nothingness, essentially. Yeah, nothing, yeah. Um, didn't provide anything defensively. Kind of looked slow-footed out there once again. Um, they – didn't do anything offensively um i mean he looked good i thought in that suns game and the um 
the Grizzlies game, but I mean, ever since then, ever since the first two games of the year, JaVale's kind of just like disinterested in the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I thought he had a good offensive game versus the Nets. And after that, just offensively and defensively, barring that, I mean, I he's just look terrible in most of these yeah, games. He, so I don't I don't know what's up with that. I mean, I know a lot of people are calling for him to get out of the rotation. I mean, obviously right now I'd rather play Dwight Powell over him because, you know, well, Dwight Powell doesn't have the rim protection. McGee can give you normally right now McGee's not giving you really any rim protection aside from the occasional like gets beat off of a drive and recovers for a block but you know he's giving you like one of those per game I mean he's I I don't know this is you know I get JaVale's getting older I don't know if that's what's catching up to him I I understand we're only six games into the season but this has got to a point now where it's not just that, oh, it's just a bad game like in the Pelicans game. We talked about that. I mean, this is actually getting, starting to be mildly concerning at this point. So I hope something turns around there because it seems as if JaVale is going to continue to start. Kid seems to be very stubborn on his rotations. Um, I mean, regardless of if they're – as if they're using JaVale just as a spot starter or what – you know, he's playing nine minutes, you know, idealistically, you want to be able to get at least like 15 minutes out of JaVale. You know, yeah. you want to be able to use his paint protection. You know, I, I get JaVale, you know, should be limited to an extent in terms of, you know, not having his workload too high, you know, he's older, but I mean, he has something that the Mavericks don't really have on this roster when he's actually playing good, if that makes any sense. I mean, the yes, playing for that matter. Maxi is a, good shot blocker but that's more of like one-on-one defense on the perimeter kind of like maxi's not really like a weak side paint protector right and uh you know a guy who or just a guy who can play drop coverage and protect the paint you know however you want to stage it javel is a stereotypical center who can jump high and block shots and um play one-on-one defense in the dunker spot, in the low post area, not, you know, obviously he can't, he's not the best at being able to switch onto the perimeter, but ideally this is a guy that can do that. And he just simply hasn't given you that uh, at this point in the season. I mean, he's had a couple of really good offensive. I mean, he's had a couple of pretty decent offensive games where, you know, you see the pick and roll ability with him and Luca just be really difficult for opponents to counter. Um, but there have been games where he hasn't even, he's kind of just, been chilling in the dunker spot just not even like you know and especially like it just helps us so much more when he's engaged in terms of his rebounding and his paint protection and when he can provide at least 15 to 20 minutes a game but throughout the season he really just hasn't done that this uh so far for whatever reason so kind of is what it is but like i said in this game like the unsung heroes of this game were um, tim hardway had that good shooting game and dorian finney smith who i thought Played really good defensively, um, as did Reggie in this game. Um, even though Reggie is continuing struggling in terms of, well, Reggie didn't really take a lot of shots in this one. He went two for three from three, two for five from the field. But I thought defensively, both of these guys looked good again in this one. Uh, Dorian went five for seven from the field, three for five from three. Had a couple times where he was able to attack off closeouts, had some playmaking opportunities. Um, and I mean, honestly, he had eight rebounds. This is one of the, this is the reason Dorian Finney-Smith got that contract extension. He looked like one of the premier D, three and D players in the league in this one. 
a big reason that the Mavericks won this game. And it was really fun to see that. Obviously, we have not got to Luca yet, who played literally insane. But he, um, he, he was know. the team essentially for three. Quarters. Yes, he was the team to an extent in this one. And he had to will, will his way to helping the Mavericks win this game when it looked pretty bleak in the second half at times. Um, but a win is a win. Um, but like I said, Dorian definitely helped. He made that uh, corner three that was essentially the dagger. I believe it was off a Luca assist. Um, that kind of when the Magic kind of, I think they cut the lead to like four or something, and then Dorian ex- hit a three with I think like 45 seconds left or something like that. So that was really fun to see the Mavericks kind of get a clutch win. Um, so that was fun. But, you know, it doesn't excuse the atrocious performance against the Thunder, especially that the Mavericks – in this game looked pretty sloppy at times, but it was it was good to see some role players step up and not look terrible. And you know, seeing Tim and Dorian have such good shooting nights. Um, but I mean, in this one here, it was just Mavericks. Really, I mean, like I said, there was no sort of referendum for night before, but at the same time, and it was good to see us get a win because. I've seen a lot of Mavericks fans throw this out on Twitter as of recently, like, you know, a win is a win. And for, especially at this juncture in the season for the Mavericks and regardless of how you get it. Um, And some of the Mavericks role players stepped up, um, particularly, obviously, you know, who stepped up the most in this game, you know, even though he steps up every night is Luca, 44 points, five assists, three rebounds, you know, it was obviously a primarily, you know, scoring game, scoring heavy game for Luca. You know, because a lot of the Mavericks role players in this one were, you know, while we obviously mentioned Tim Hardaway Jr. and Dorian Finney-Smith, and I'm saving Josh Green for the end when we talk about this uh, Jason K quote, who he also had a really good game in this one. Um, But Luca was just the uh, main practitioner in this game, you know, certified just just the way he played this game. He played it like an engineer. He, especially in that first half, he had 30 points just – torching whatever magic defender was on him, regardless if it was Bull Bull, um, RJ Hampton, Franz Wagner. It, it didn't matter who the Maver- uh, the magic put on him. Even at one point, they put Admiral Schofield on him, who's one of the few guys on the court that weight and size-wise is very comparable to Luca. really strong guy, solid wingspan, and Luca just, you know, backed him down and got an easy bucket. And, I mean – just goes to show how strong he is you know we see it on a nightly basis but it's amazing to see uh, but Luca had his way he was operating within the mid-range a lot in this one uh yet that one tough little mid-range fadeaway over bull bull and he called him too small uh, he got to the free throw line 14 times only hit eight of them uh, obviously would like to see that number one up you know two for nine from three so we have yet to see Luca really pop off from three to start the season but it's okay because he's getting into the lane at will and, you know, when he needed to take over, especially in that fourth quarter, he was finally able to get some of his legs back. And he was able to, you know, put this one away for the Mavericks, especially this passing a little bit in that fourth quarter. Obviously, um, you know, this was just primarily him just taking over and getting to the rim at will. Um, but do you have any other thoughts on Luca's game in this one? Yeah, no, I, th- I feel like early on this one could have probably gotten out of hand. Um, it seemed like the Magic weren't missing at all, you know, I, th- I want to say they had six or seven guys in double figures, and that was they like, had a lot of guys in double figures. I mean, yeah. And keep in mind, the Mavericks won by nine points. It was one fourteen to one hundred five. But Paolo Bancaro had his first kind of 
dud of the season. Yeah, it was like, 18 he, points to say that. Like, yeah, he had 18 points, but he was six for 20 from the field, one for yeah. six for three. Like he, he was, he just simply wasn't shooting well. Like the process looked good. You could tell that this guy, like you can see why this guy was the number one pick, but he just wasn't having a good shooting night. And they didn't, they didn't go to Franz Wagner for offense as much as I thought they would. It seemed like Paolo was dominating a lot of that more so than I thought, but he, he went three for 12, it was a rough game for him. Thought Wendell Carter Jr. played really well. Yeah. I said Bull Bull. That, that kind of dynamic right there is really interesting. The Mavericks, the Magic were missing uh, quite a bit of their guards. Cole Anthony, obviously Markel Fultz, and they were just playing this huge lineup, but it worked out kind of interesting for them. Um, but no, Bull Bull and Wendell Carter Jr., obviously Bull Bull just kind of in transition. Um, and his ability to kind of get to the rim at his size and shoot these like little push shots is honestly like, well, that was the main source of his offense. Um, it wasn't really like actually, you know, any sort of, you know, you know, like playing in the dunker spot, you know, he wasn't playing like a modern NBA big, you know, he's playing like a guard, but you know, obviously those skills aren't like tangible or consistent, but if he ever figures it out, it's going to be absurd. Um, I mean, he's only 22. I think people discount him a lot for the fact that he's been in the league for a couple of years, but he's only 22. So who who knows? But he's a, he's a really fun talent to see. Wendell Carter Jr., he's a prototypical, just really good defensive rebounding big. And, I mean, it's, especially when his shooting um, is hitting. I mean, I, I really like this guy for the Magic. Um, and I thought Mosley coached a hell of a game getting these guys up to play. R.J. Hampton. Um, he always Malathone, seems to go off in Dallas. Yes, he uh he had 15 points in this one, six for nine from the field, three for four from three. He played really good. Um, and you know, at Chumo Kiki, I thought he was he was like my Mavericks all-star pick. Okay, okay. okay uh, whatever, whatever you <laughs> um, but you know, his his main thing is he just needs to improve as a shooter going forward. But he's actually he's a really good defender and rebounder coming out of Auburn. Um, so, you know, the Ma- Magic got a lot of talented young guys on this team. You know, I, I, I'm excited for their future, but, you know, they were they were just kind of sh- too shorthanded roster-wise to really pull through. But, you know, they were also on a back-to-back. So, the Ma- like, that's what I'm saying, that this wasn't any sort of referendum for the night before because the Magic, the Mavericks did not put this game away convincingly by, by any means when they definitely had the personnel to do so. This Magic team's a lot more young and inexperienced, but they got up on the second half of this back-to-back. I mean – uh, Kevonte Harris as well, three for four from the field, 12 points. I mean, it seemed like basically everybody in their rotation was contributing in uh, some form or fashion or the, other, or the other. And, I mean, you know, who knows what would have happened if the Magic were fully healthy for the most part or they it wasn't a second out of a back-to-back for them or Paolo Bancaro didn't have an off game. Uh, so that there's there's no I mean, despite Luka Doncic going literally insane, uh, the Mavericks did not put this one away convincingly. I thought that there was a lot of missed defensive rotations at times, especially I mean, particularly actually with Christian Wood at times in that first half. Um, there were some a lot of the time, you know, not as much as in the OKC game, but there were times, especially, you know, uh, I, Dinwiddie, I thought, got caught ball watching quite a bit. He had some lazy one-on-one defense at times. JaVale didn't help when he was in there. So by no means was this any sort of perfect game, but I definitely do agree with the standpoint that a win a win is a win at this juncture in the season. Do you have any other thoughts on this game, Jaren? Yeah, no, I, I, like, I kind of want to just point this out. Like, 
towards the beginning of the game, you know, this team could have easily been dead in the water, another really bad loss to a really bad team for the Mavericks. Uh, and it seemed like, you know, Luca was really the only guy that kind of kept him in it. Um, it kind of seemed like Terrence Ross was about to go off again against the Mavericks early in that quarter or in the first quarter. And then he just kind of fizzled out throughout the game. Um, but other than that, like, I, again, I mean, if you want to call it a bounce back win, uh, I guess you can call it that if you really want to. Uh, but you know, they're not a pretty win, not a pretty win by any means, but you know, we found a way to pull it out late, uh, in that fourth quarter. I think if you're going to take one positive away, it was like the actual fact that we closed out a game, uh, pretty confidently and, you know, given against a young team who hasn't been in any, in many situations like that, but still, I mean, you, you could take what you get, you know, when it's a win, as we've been saying, um, but yeah, I guess like that's my main takeaway is just, we, we finally pulled out a game um pretty pretty confidently i would say yeah at least in the clutch moments mavericks pulled it out fairly convincingly at least like in the sense that they were able to take it away um in that last sort of juncture there versus leaving continually leaving the door open i mean they left the door open for quite a while up until the very end but i mean they at least put it away so yeah no i would agree with you from that standpoint um lastly before we end the podcast we'll get into the josh green stuff um, not really too much to take away from this other than I think it's good. Um, Josh Green, at you know, only six points in both of these games. We've, you know, continually hampered that. There's a lot of times where Josh Green continues or needs to continue to try to be more assertive and uh, look for his own shot at times. He's had open driving lanes, open shots that he's passed down. And even in these two games he has. But, I mean, this guy looks really good defensively. Josh Green has always had the defensive intangibles and athleticism. Uh, but to start the season, I mean, he's putting that uh, hand in hand with, you know, the actual mental side of it in terms of not over fouling, um, not trying to uh, not not trying to prematurely or jump a passing lane and, you know, end up getting a backdoor cut on you. Not just things of that nature. I mean, he's looked insanely good on defense and to couple that with his finishing looks better this year, his Three-point shooting looks a lot better, even though, you know, he's nine for 14 for the season just in terms of being from the field in six games. Uh, obviously, he's only took 14 shots, but, I mean, you can't, you know, say that that's not encouraging me. All, all facets of his game just look really, really good. And, I mean, he he does a little bit of everything. You know, he's a 3 and D wing, but he can also provide a little bit of shot creation. Um, you know, I think as he develops, you know, that might become – like more of a thing, I wouldn't say as much shot creation, just as just, you know, more so like just the ability to get to the rim, you know, obviously he's not going to be taking any pull up mid range shots, but I mean, he's looked really good to start the season. There's no negating that. And uh, I think all of us, we kind of been pining for more Josh Green minutes, especially amidst, you know, kind of a shaky start for Reggie Bullock to start the season. I mean, he didn't play too bad in this one, but you know, Reggie just kind of looked wishy-washy with his shot at times. Um, his defense has been pretty good, but there's been some games where, I mean, even that has looked kind of bad, particularly in that New Orleans game, if I remember. Um, so this has been a really interesting development. And at practice today, head coach Jason Kidd said that Josh Green's looked really good and we're going to try to find a way to get him some more minutes, essentially. And Josh Green commented that Jason Kidd um, basically just told him, you know, that, you know, he feel Josh Green feels like, you know, given the confidence that the coaching staff has enabled him uh, and what Jay kids given him that he's been able to look for a shot more this year. And he feels more confident in that, you know, taking some of these shots 
And, you know, obviously that may not be reflected as much on the court, but, you know, definitely like the confidence when he does shoot um, and when he does get to the rim is there, even though we do feel like he's passing some stuff up. Um, so I just wanted to get your thoughts on in terms of what Jason Kidd said regarding Josh Green being able to potentially play more as we go forward here. Yeah, no, I mean, we've been asking for more Josh Green minutes uh, pretty much since I think the off season. Uh, and finally for Lord Kidd to come out and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to, I had to throw that in there. Um, but finally for Jason Kidd to come out and come out publicly and, you know, I guess point out what we've all been kind of pointing out and to kind of say that, you know, Josh Green has been passing up some shots, like without a doubt he has, but, you know, compared to last year, he's actually taking more confident shots. He's driving to the lane. I saw it more in the Magic game than I think I've ever seen it in his whole entire career. I mean, that uh, one finish around Bomba. Yeah, that's that's what that I'm referring was, to. That was nice. Yeah, yeah that, that's exactly what I'm referring to. Like, we would never see that outside of – I don't know what kind of confidence gave him for that, but I, I like yeah, – he, he, he made it more difficult by going <laughs> – by making it a reverse, like – um sort of switch handed layup kind of you know like yeah, he, he yeah. could have easily kind of just went up <laughs> no but you know seeing him it, it slowly i think i would say uh kind of get more comfortable and get more confident driving to the hoop and taking the open lanes uh and even the shot you know even whenever it's off like he looks really confident that's the thing that i've noticed more is like it, it's it's just a more confident well-rounded josh green offensively you know defensively he's improved and he was already amazing last year but he's improved uh minus like his aggressiveness and stuff like that like he's improved on his decision making um you know he's not as jumpy he's still a little jumpy he makes a few mistakes here and there but uh he looks a lot better and i I would hope that this i mean i I would probably say at this point i i might label him the is this a far fetch to say this he's the second best defender on the map yeah i was i was about to get there i was like he might be yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think there's it's a toss up between him and Maxi. It's close. There's an argument to be made there. I think uh, Josh Green might be more consistent, so I might have to go with him because they're a nice for Maxi. Just we need to see more minutes. Yeah, and I mean, we we've been pining for a wing to be able to take some of Reggie and Dorian's minutes. I mean, Frank obviously has not played to start the season. Um, nor has Davis. Those situations are starting to get confusing. I know they're going to be missing tomorrow's game as well with their respected effusions in both their <laughs> um, ankle and knee. So I, I both think on the right side, both particularly the uh, Davis ones starting to get concerning because he's been out since training camp. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, like, you know, especially, I mean, who knows if we'll see any Frank minutes when he comes back, if he'll have, if we'll even have a spot in the rotation, but I mean, Josh green, if, if he continues to play like this, if he is able to start taking a little more threes, I mean, he's going to be, he's going to, be sort of a relief vessel for Dorian and Reggie when they're not, uh, you know, cause just to try to take away from some of their egregious workload when they're playing these 35, 40 minute games, like night in, night out, you know, Dorian in this magic game played 29. No, he actually didn't play that. Yeah. The both, the both of Angbros and, you know, only played 29 minutes. Cause you know, I thought, I think kind of cause Tim was having a good game. But, you know, typically, like, these guys are playing heavy minutes, especially deep into the playoffs. So the Mavericks need one of these. You know, even with Josh hitting, you still probably want another wing. So um, this obviously would be a huge help for the Mavericks. So we're excited for this. I'm interested to see how he materializes in some of these minutes. I know a lot of fans are 
asking for him to, you know, replace Reggie in the starting lineup. I'm not there yet. I think I want to see a little more consistency in terms of the shot, but that could definitely be a future development at some point. We'll see how he, he continues to play. And I mean, that's obviously an intriguing situation to monitor going forward. Um, Jaron, who's, let's see who the Mavericks play tomorrow. The, the, the Utah Jazz. Yes, the Mavericks play the Utah Jazz in the ultimate trap game. The Utah <laughs> Jazz are um, six and two to start the regular season as the NBA standings kind of, I mean, we see this in a lot of years, but it just seems like to an extreme point, like all, everybody that we thought would be bad is at the top of the standings. Yeah, exactly. Year, and everybody thought that we thought would be good is at the bottom. Uh, we expect this to, I mean, obviously this is going to regress back to the mean at some point to an, it, I mean, I think, but you know, I think for a lot of teams, but I think the jazz actually might be somewhat legit. Like they're <laughs> Lori they Mark good. We'll talk more about him tomorrow, but Lori Markinen is that dude. And I've, talked about him countlessly on twitter so uh the mavericks are gonna have their handful tomorrow their hands full tomorrow we will see how they play i hope that they step up to the challenge and they do not discount this jazz team as being um you know just another run-of-the-mill tanking for win Yana team because and even if that's a that ends up being what they are that does not negate that they're playing really good basketball right now and uh that's a uh, yeah, um, and Christian Wood uh, also is questionable. Yeah, I was about to say. Like, on a COVID illness, so hopefully he plays. Hopefully this isn't the start of the Mavericks sitting Christian Wood. Did Lord Kid in, in poison his drink? I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I hope that the Mavericks start to – I'm just really concerned about the whole Davis-Frank situation, even if they aren't guys that are in the rotation. You know, you want them healthy, especially Davis if you're going to trade the guy at some point, so – <laughs> um, yeah, we'll, we'll continue to monitor those situations, but, you know, barring that, let's see how the, the Mavericks fare tomorrow. I think I, they need this win really badly. For yeah, the they need it. That the Mavericks need a real bounce back win, uh, not a Sunday night, you know, little jab at the Orlando Magic who are missing half their roster um, where the Mavericks don't even pull away till the last minute. So, um, you know, Mavericks land is kind of, it's kind of dim right now with the whole Christian Wood thing. I do, I do hope he plays t- tomorrow because that's just going to make it worse if he doesn't, regardless of what happens. Um, and, I mean, I did, the JaVale McGee thing is definitely something to monitor because if, th- if this level of play persists, there's going to be trade discussions. Yeah, they're um, I mean, you have regardless to. of how much kid loves him because this is bad right now. But, you know, uh, all hail Dwight Powell is what I will end the podcast with. This 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 is the first time ever I am pining for Dwight Powell minutes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, with that being with that being said, thank you guys for listening. If you got this far in the podcast, make sure to follow us on Twitter at mainstream underscore Mavs. Um, so, so follow us and give us a five star rating on what whatever listening platform you're on, whether it be Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We re- really would appreciate the feedback if you guys. Uh, reach out to us, whether that be on that, the, uh, those forums are on Twitter. Um, and uh, we're trying to get the YouTube going here soon. We sh- we're working on that. Um, so we'll be, we'll be on even more platforms and you guys can see our faces eventually. So that'll, that'll be interesting. Our beautiful uh, faces. Of course. But um, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and end the podcast. We will catch you guys tomorrow after the jazz game. Bye-bye.